Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Parsha Shmini tells us about that great day in the Midbar when the Mishkan was finally inaugurated. It tells us in great detail all of the procedures, all of the kobonais that were brought, and it tells us that in the great excitement, in the great exultation regarding this great event, that Nadav and Avihu, two of the sons of Aaron, they brought a katoiris, an incense, asherlot sivo osam, that Hashem had not commanded them to bring. There are ismachloikas, which Rashi discusses about exactly what was wrong about bringing this katoiris. That's not our matter to discuss now. But of course, a fire came out from in front of Hashem, and it consumed these two people, these two tzaddikim, and they died in front of Hashem. And now we come to the Pasuk on which we will focus in this shiur. This is in Perik Yud, Pasuk Dalet. Moshe called to Mishael and El Tzafon, who were the sons of Uziel, Aaron's uncle, Vayomer Alehem, and Moshe said to these two people, Kirvu, come close, Suas Achechem Yes Penehakodesh, and pick up your brethren from the face of the holy place, take them from the Mishkan, from this holy place, El Michutzlamachane and take them to outside of the camp. On this Rashi says, Suas Achechem, etc. Ka'odama Emer Lechaveroi, this was like a person who says to his friend, Haver Esameis Melifnei Akala, remove this dead body from in front of the Kala. It's a marshal to a wedding that is taking place. And unfortunately, somebody dies on the spot, so someone says, someone in charge says, Take this dead body away from the Kala, not to spoil the joy. According to Rashi, this is what Moshe Rabbeinu meant when he told uh, Mishael and El Safan to remove these bodies. First, let's approach this Rashi on what I'll call a technical level, meaning where did Rashi see this? In the Pasik. Everything Rashi says is merely Pshutai Shal Mikra. It's how he understood the simple meaning of the Pasik. Rashi does not come to add nice ideas to the Pasik. He comes to tell us what the Pasik means in his opinion. So how does Rashi know that Maisha Rabbeinu meant get get rid of this, get rid of these dead bodies, take them out of here? Perhaps he meant that please take the bodies and prepare them for burial? Why, how does Rashi know that the focus was on simply removing them rather than on caring for them and giving them their last honors? So the Mepharshim, the Gur'aryeh, and others, they say that if this were so, if Moshe's focus was on the 
care and respect that is due to the to the deceased, so he should have said, pick up your brethren and bury them. But instead, the words the Moshe Rabbeinu uses are, take them, take them away from this holy place, and get them out of the camp. So this indicates that the primary intent was to remove the bodies from the Mishkan. Let us now move to what I will call the content level of the analysis of this Rashi, meaning now that we know why Rashi says what he says, and we know where Rashi saw it in the Pusik, but now let us think about what Rashi is actually telling us. The question I would like to raise here is, why is the Mishkan compared here to a kala, to a bride? Is this merely a convenient marshal, or is there something more profound over here? In fact, we find another place where the Mishkan is compared to a kala. In Parsha's Truma, the Torah gives us very specific instructions about how to make the Mishkan, including, of course, the Uriois, the curtains which hung over the open roof of the Mishkan and which also hung down over the walls, or at least most of them. And the Torah tells us the exact dimensions of each curtain, its length and its width, and it tells us that we are to take six of those curtains and sew them together into one large piece of fabric, and then to take another five of those curtains and sew them together into one large piece of fabric, and then to join these two large pieces together by means of hooks and loops, and thus we will have one very, very large a curtain, which will be uh, spread over the top of the Mishkan and hang down over the walls. In Perak Chavov, Pasuk Tes, the Pasuk says, V'chibarta levad, you will join five of the uh, curtains by themselves, levad, and then a big piece of six of the curtains will be made into a separate piece of cloth. And then you will fold over the sixth curtain out of that larger piece of cloth, over the face of the ohel. And here Rashi says, this means that a half of the width of that last piece of curtain will be hanging over the front of the Mishkan. And it will be folded over onto the Masach, onto the curtain that hangs vertically on the eastern side of the the Mishkan over the doorway. And here Rashi says, It comes out that the Mishkan looked like a kalatznua, like a modest bride who is covered with a veil over her face. So here also, the Mishkan is compared to a kala. Here also, Rashi does not explain. In simplicity, it would seem that this is merely a convenient way of helping us to picture how it would look, that it looks something like 
a kala with a veil hanging over part of her face. But perhaps here too there is something more profound. As I have explained before, one of the ways to develop and to understand difficult statements by Rashi is to look and to search for other psukim and other Rashi comments on similar and connected matters and to see what Rashi says over there. In this case, let us continue to search for comparisons between the Mishkan and the Kaaba. We find such a comparison in Shira Shirim. Shira Shirim is a love song on the surface, a love song between a beautiful woman and a beautiful and a handsome man. But of course, our Chachamim tell us that it is all a mushal for the love between a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He is the man, and Klal Yisrael is compared here to the woman. And throughout the Shira Shirim, they exchange compliments. So here in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Tezayin, here it is the, the Raya, the beloved woman, who says to her beloved, Hincha Yafedoidi, behold, you are beautiful, you are handsome, my beloved, Afnoim, and very pleasant, Af Arsenu Ra'anano. Our bed is moist and refreshing. Now Rashi explains here that we are referring here to the Mishkan. And Rashi says, our bed is moist and refreshing. By means of your pleasantness, so our bed is moist and pleasant. It is pleasant with our sons and our daughters. That they all gather to you over here. They all come to visit you, so to speak, in the Mishkan. Shenemar, as it says in Parshas Sav, Vatikohel Ha'eda, that the Ada, that the whole congregation gathered at the entranceway to the Mishkan. Now Rashi says, Hamishkan Korimita. The Mishkan is called Mita. It is called the bed of Akadosh Baruch Hu in Kla Yisrael. Shenemar. As it says later in Shira Shirim, Hine mitasoi shalishloimai. Behold, the mita of Shlomo, Melech Shalom Shaloi, the king to whom peace is his. And that is referring there also to the Mishkan. So we see that it is called mita, a bed. Vechain hamikdash, and similarly, the base hamikdash, Kori mita, also was called a bed. Shinemar. And Rashi quotes here a Pasik. We won't go into that Pusik now. Now Rashi explains a little bit here. Why is the Mishkan called Mita? Why is the, 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 the Beis Amikdash and the Mishkan called Mita, a bed? Shehem Pirion Verivion Shel Yisrael. Because the Mishkan and the Mikdash were the Peruaravu. They were the, the fruitfulness and the multiplication of Kla Yisrael. Now, what does this mean? This is clearly a very profound thought that Rashi is talking about over here. I strongly suspect that whatever I'm going to explain over here is going to 
only scratch the surface of the profundity of what Rashi is saying. But I think a little bit we can understand that Rashi is telling us here, and this Pasuk and Shira Shiram is telling us that if Klal Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are, so to speak, married, their home, their conjugal home, the place where they live as man and wife, is the Mikdash and the Mishkan. That is where they live in a loving relationship. That is where they produce their children. And that is the home to which the children return for regular visits. As Rashi says, Kulam Nikbatsim Elechafo. They all gather here to see you. This is the comparison between the Mikdash and a bed. The Mikdash is the boudoir, so to speak, Kavayochel, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Kalal Yisrael. Now, we have to understand that before a person gets married, and a person, a man is obligated to get married, as it says in the Shulchan Aruch, Chayiv Adam Liso Isha Lifrois Vilirbois, a man is obligated to marry a woman in order to do the mitzvah of Pruravu, that is in Shulchan Aruch, Evan Ezer, Simon Aleph. But before a man goes and lives with his wife, in intimacy and begins the mitzvah of Pruravu, there is something which I will refer to as the Tekufa Sakala. There is the period of the bride. There is a time period during which they are married. He has given her to her the ring or other forms of Kedushin, and yet they still are not living together. During this time period, she is at all times betachlis atznius. She is modest. She is her face even is covered with a veil, and it is not proper. It is not ethical to skip over this period of time, as we find in the Gemara Yevamos. Rav Mangin, Amanda Mekadesh Bebia. If somebody, instead of giving money, or instead of giving a star to affect, to make official a marriage. Instead, he went right away to Bia, and he used that as a form of Kiddushin, which technically it works, as the first Mishnah in Kiddushin tells us. But the Gemara says, Rav Mangid, Rav would whip, he would, he would execute lashes on such a person, because it is not proper to jump straight into the marriage uh, situation, into the marriage relationship. There must be this period of kala which precedes it. Similarly, the mishkan, which is that, as we explained, the mishkan is the conjugal home, that marriage home of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Kla Yisrael, it is not proper to enter it, so to speak, jumping right in. One needs to pause at the doorway, and one needs to appreciate the tzniyus of the kala, and to wait there, at least momentarily, before entering. And perhaps this is why we find in Parshish Truma 
that the face of the Mishkan was veiled like the face of a Kala. And this is perhaps why we find here in Pasha Shmini that the Mishkan, on the day of its inauguration, on that Yom Hashmini, was compared to a Kala. It's a Kala, the Yom Chupasah. It was like a Kala on the day of her Chupa, on her wedding day. You still don't live, with the, the Chasen still does not yet live with her. There's still a certain distance, a certain respect for her Tznius, which of course continues throughout the marriage, but in particular, that day, that time, is particularly infused with that spirit. And therefore, when uh, Nadav and Avihu unfortunately uh, died right on the spot in the Mishkan on that Yom Hashmini, Moshe Rabbeinu said, he didn't say, take them away and bury them. I'm sure he saw to it that that happened also, but that's not what is recorded in the Chumash. He said, so to speak, get them away from the Kala. This Mishkan on this day is compared to a Kala that is not merely a convenient marshal, but in fact, if we'll understand what the Mishkan is and what was happening on that day, we will understand that the Mishkan in fact was comparable to a Kala, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, this is no place to have dead bodies lying around. This would be Ma'arbev Esasimcha, this would spoil the joy of the wedding. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash